Crowpod contains language and themes which may not be suitable for anyone, but what is suitable for everybody is the great stuff from our friends at the famous iconic wear for bears. Go check out the famous uk. Great stuff over there. And if you want to win some stuff from them, scroll down, hit the buy me a coffee link in the show notes on this episode that you're listening to right now. We give away stuff from them every single month here on the Crowpod. So check them out. The famous uk. Crowpod Explains America, the series here where I blow my friend Colin's mind with uh, some, some of the more ridiculous shit that uh, that our country can give. And, uh, well, Colin, this week, we, 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 we want the sports, you know, because I guess ostensibly what, what we do here on the Crowpod is supposed to be a sports program, although results questionable. Uh, but we're, we're, we're going to look at franchise shifts and, and our, well, our, our obsession with moving our teams well, fucking anywhere and anywhere. Yeah, so this was this why I threw this one at you. Shane. Like, I am um, my father was a Browns fan, and he always talks about he hates this guy whose name escapes me. And like a girl, I was like, "Why the uh, fuck?" Art Modell. Art Modell would be are. his name. Thank you. <laughs> and he was like, "Oh, and the Ravens. Fuck the Ravens." I was like, "What's that good to do with?" Fucking just why? Why do you let it happen? <laughs> well, Art Modell's name will come up twice in this. <laughs> so he's. Uh, he, he got experience and decided to put it to practice again. Uh, but uh, no, we're, we're going to come to that. You know, we, we try to do a little bit of news of the day here. And uh, well, I think some, somehow actually the biggest news in the country is, is something, uh, well, that we didn't just, well, no, I guess we did create ourselves, didn't we? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah Hurricane Ian, of course, smashed into to Florida, uh, which I think, I think it's only the second hurricane since, um, since Andrew to make landfall in, in the, uh, you know, the Florida peninsula. Uh, I, I might have my numbers wrong, but it's not, it's not too often. Actually. It's been, it's been yeah. lucky. Most of the really bad ones have hit the Gulf coast over the past, uh, well, 15, I 20 years or so. So do my, did I remember it happening in the news? And so like, I can't, like, I can't remember the last time Florida really got hit. As you say, I, I think it, it was, um, it would have been 2000, 16 i want to say because i remember talking to my brother uh the day after my day after my wedding uh they were getting you know battering down the hatches and it was right around the right around this time i think the first week of september um so yeah that 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 was it uh thankfully i mean it did end up missing the tampa area proper which would have been fucking horrific because for anybody who's ever been to tampa you know there's a giant what was it the skyway bridge or whatever the hell they call it that sits at the front of the bay and had you channeled all that water into that small area i it would have been uh, uh, catastrophic i mean it's bad enough with something like fort myers and sarasota and some of the areas down the down the coast a little bit but this could have been far 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 worse than it was somehow it it did however allow this actually like a little bit of levity someone posted a video on twitter yesterday of a shark swimming its way up the street in Fort Myers. Yeah. Like, fuck. Yeah. I, I, I think the storm surge in Fort Myers ended up being about seven and a half feet. 
And, you know, you got to remember you know, all of Florida is basically a sea level. I, th- I think that the highest point in Florida is uh, it's called Britain Hill. But that's all, you know, that, that, that's all the way up by um, by Alabama. And I think it's all 345 feet above sea level. But most of Florida lies within, you know, just a few feet of sea level. And so, I mean, obviously, with the, the storm surge that you get, plus the 12 to 18 inches of rain that falls with with these storms. I mean, this is part of the thing. With climate change is how much bigger these hurricanes are, uh, as we saw with like Katrina and, and obviously the flooding that Houston's experienced. Um, they dump so much goddamn rain. Florida is, um, well, the water table is very high because it's right at sea level. And then the, well, the ground is basically, hey, let's go back to ancient coastlines and dead animals. Look at this. <laughs> the, but the, you know, the, 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 whole, the whole bedrock of Florida is basically, you know, old seashells. So they don't really absorb water very well. And again, the ocean basically sits about six inches to a foot underneath the, the ground anywhere you're at. So it's uh, yeah, there's nowhere for the water to go except for back to the ocean. And it tends to take a little while to get there. Yeah, it's not. I mean, the one, the couple that really shook me were the, because you know, like tsunamis, you know, that like the, the uh, shoreline recedes back into the sea right. before it hits. Yep. I'd kind of forgotten that that sort of happens with hurricanes as well. Mm-hmm. And bits of the, you know, they had like huge swathes of seabed that were just lying bare. It's like, that's not normal. No. Like, no I, and, I and, and anytime you see happen. that, something awful is about to happen. <laughs> Pray whatever deity you pretend to believe in and hope. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I haven't looked at, you know, when I was going to bed last night, it was somewhere around two and a half million people were without power. Already, uh, which of course is tragic. Uh, you know, Puerto Rico, I'm sure, probably still doesn't have power uh, yeah. from uh, what, like 2016 or whenever the hell that one went through. So, um, I mean, they just lost it again last. Well, week. that that's yeah, yeah. They they finally kind of got it back, and now it's all gone again. But you know, they're they're not a state, so fuck them. We don't have to worry about that. We'll, we'll, Trump can go there and throw paper towels at people. It'll be fine. Oh, that, that fixes everything. <laughs> Uh, you know, if only he'd been able to trade it for Greenland, we wouldn't have to worry about it at all. I know. <laughs> well, you know, the, the, the other other good news for our people who are there in the UK, um, one of our great exports, Arthur Laffer, his his ideas have come back to, uh, well, come back to prominence into fruition or trickle-down economics, supply-side economics, which, uh, man, Liz Truss had a hell of a morning going around all the local BBC stations. That was... She said she was going to hit the ground on day one, and she has she's done that. Yeah. I just didn't think she was talking about the pound. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, or, or, you know, I think he in the ground, in her case, would be leaping out of an airplane without a parachute is about how well she's she's impacted the ground here. It's... Um... It's bad. Well, the, you know, we, we, we kind of touched on Laffer in the, the student loans episode. If you missed that one, you can scroll back down and find that here on the on the crow pod. But, uh, you know, Laffer, of course, came up with the Laffer curve, which is, uh, well, they call it that because it's so laughable in economic policy. You can literally draw it on a bar napkin and explain the whole thing, which is what, uh, what Laffer did for Dick Cheney and Donald Rumsfeld back in 1974. And, uh, well, this got him to the, uh, well, the upper echelons of society in a place where once you're there, no matter how bad your ideas are and how easily disproven they are, you never can be removed again. And, you know, now the UK gets to suffer the same fate. <laughs> Yay. I mean, <laughs> I've got some stuff that I've been putting off buying from the UK, so it's ideal for me. 
I mean, on the plus side, the, the new fourth kit, which I think our buddy Ross McCann figured out is the 14th kit that Castor released in two and a half years, not counting goalie shirts. Uh, that, that'll be much cheaper for us to purchase if we yeah. so want to. So if we desire to. <laughs> I, 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 I probably spend my money at the famous. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see if they're uh, <laughs> if they're actually going to wear this one. I suppose they finally realize, oh shit, we have all these third kits with the wrong sponsor on them, and uh, just sticking an iron on it doesn't really work too well. We we better come up with another shirt. So, no. yeah, here here comes another colorway change, I guess. Oh god, fucking hell! It's yeah, yeah like just NFL teams. Oh like... man, no, it's to say, yeah, well, yeah, because I think this week is the week they start rolling out the uh, the the all the different change helmets and everything in the NFL. It's it's oh. I, I don't know I can't keep track when, of who wears when what. When do they start bringing out the camouflage nonsense? Uh, don't we do that for Veterans Day? So that'll it's be November. the second week of November, right? That shit is disgusting. That's yeah. some of the worst kits I've ever seen in my entire life. Yep. Yeah. They're, they're th- thankfully, you know, I mean, Major League Baseball is over by then, so we don't have to tolerate it. The NBA doesn't even pretend to give a fuck about that kind of stuff. Of course, you know, the NFL they're more than happy to accept checks from the U S military to do that kind of shit. So tax dollars hard at work right there. Ar- Arthur Laffer, you think would be disgusted at such a display, but <laughs> that's not the case. And I'll tell you what, you know, for, for the listeners, if you want to know more about who this asshole is, I will put a link down in the show notes to, to my blog. It's, it's a little explainer about, uh, well, again, how you can fail upward your entire career in the in the points of high society that you can never be removed from again that no matter what you say or do and how often it doesn't work people just keep trying it over and over and over it's it's wild <laughs> like <laughs> fucking how yeah it's just so oh, right now no no yeah I fucking no. lose it if i think about that well <sighs> I'm going to try to blow your mind another way here. We're, we're going to take a quick break and come back. We're going to talk about the uh, franchises moving, sports teams moving, something that, uh, well, you know, if you're a fan of MK Dons or, I don't know, Livingston, I think is the other one you brought it. You know, you've maybe seen it. It's it's happened a few times in the UK, but, uh, well, that not, not the way we do it here. So we're going to come right back with that. Welcome back to Crowpod Explains America here. As always, if you like what we do on the show, scroll down and hit that buy me a coffee link in the show notes. Gets you entered to win some great stuff from our friends over there at The Famous. We give away stuff every month. Uh, of course, if you want to go buy stuff from them and say, I cast stores, Colin said, all you got to do is visit the, the famousheadwear.co.uk. Awesome stuff and can't, can't thank them enough for what they do. So, Colin, are you yes. ready? Not even a little bit, because I know I'm going to be absolutely furious by a lot of what you're going to say to me. <laughs> um, but fuck it. Yeah, so I'm, I'm going to take a few minutes here, try, try to, well, I guess lay, lay the, the groundwork for, for whatever else. 
And uh, I, I got to think, we, we did have a few listeners chime in with questions. So hopefully, hopefully that's going to answer some of them. And then, uh, well, whatever whatever Colin comes up with after after this is, uh, well, maybe we'll get to it all. I I, I, I just wrote this from uh, from my head this morning. And so I'm sure it's it's not, well, it's not all inclusive, but um, you know, it's, it's you can just hard write to a podcast from your head on this topic <laughs> says so much about this topic. <laughs> well, you, you know, let's let's get to it. I mean, franchise shifts are you know ubiquitous and and almost well, they're they're a wholly unique part of the American sports culture. I mean, like I said, you know, there's only a couple examples that you could think of in the UK. Um, yeah, I but, mean, like I guess so I had to Google it, and the only ones that. You know, Livingston from uh, Meadowbank Thistle and uh, MK Dons, and both of them are termed moves to new towns. It's like, don't fucking give me that shit. And like, the rest of it's all like, you know, like 1890, like um, Newton Heath to Van United. Yeah. That kind of stuff. But yeah, we don't have, you know, modern day stuff. No, well, well, it, I mean, for us, I mean, this is not an idea that's sprung up just in the past few decades. I mean, the, the early days of, you know what? What would eventually become Major League Baseball was filled with these things. I, I, I bet you didn't know uh, Rockford actually had a Major League team in the original National Association back in 1871. Yes, the 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 Forest City Ball Club of Rockford. Hold up, 1871. 1871. <laughs> Sorry, baseball's been going for that long. <laughs> that's, that's the NASA years of organized professional baseball. Yeah. Yep. Fuck. Yeah, so Rock, 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 Rockford had a Major League Baseball team before Rangers were founded. Honestly, that has really blown my mind. I did not realize <laughs> baseball was that old. Oh, yeah. Well, and, you know, I, I mean, to, to this, perhaps the most American of all American sports teams, the Yankees, of course, uh, they began their time in the American League as the Baltimore Orioles. And the franchise was uh, purchased with the purpose of moving them to New York and Hilltop Park in 1903 as the Highlanders. Uh, the new Baltimore Orioles played in the Independent International League. And honestly, they had some of the best baseball teams ever assembled during the 20s and 30s playing in this league before MLB's dominance was fully asserted over the minor league system that you know stays in place to this day. Um, probably the most famous franchise shifts in American sports took place in the same winter of 1957, the Giants and Dodgers both packed up and left New York for the left coast of sunny, at least in the Dodgers case, uh, sunny California. But they weren't even the first major league teams of the decade to move house. The Boston Braves kicked off. I mean, this is a wave of franchise shifts that has its own Wikipedia entry, folks. So you can go look this stuff just so for this you're doing era. That, I'm doing that thing where you're saying, like, Boston Braves. I was like, no, that's not right. Atlanta Braves. <laughs> no, like, uh, well, how- yeah, it's, it's not just Atlanta, though. <laughs> I mean, this is, but the Boston Braves left after 81 years to go to Milwaukee. And as Colin just said, they move again to Atlanta in 1966. And then to, uh, well, finally, now they're in Cumberland, Georgia which is a uh, unincorporated exurb of Atlanta solely created for them to get a new stadium uh, in 2017. Uh, don't, don't worry though. Milwaukee, you know, with a team for a few years, won a world championship there with Henry Aaron and uh, Eddie Matthews and Warren Spahn, but th- they wouldn't be without baseball for long. The Seattle pilots would move there in 1970 after only one That's season. Terrible name. <laughs> So what one season they pick up, move to Milwaukee. Now, don't worry about Seattle, folks, because my Seattle Mariners would join the American League along with the Toronto Blue Jays in the 1977 expansion. Uh, and the Baltimore Orioles are back. 
because the St. Louis Browns became the only team of this original expansion and shift era to move from west to east in 1954. Now, Missourians clamoring for American League Baseball, they wouldn't have to wait too long. The Philadelphia Athletics would depart for Kansas City the following year. And like the Braves, they weren't done because they would leave for Oakland in 1968, which is a city they've been trying to get out of for about 20 years now. And Colin, if you're worried about Kansas City, don't be, because the Royals would move in as part of Major League Baseball's 1969 expansion, along with the aforementioned pilots, both in the American League. The San Diego Padres, not to be confused with the San Diego Padres of the Pacific Coast League, who moved to uh, Eugene, Oregon after the 1968 Ooh. season. Guams. <laughs> they, they, they moved there to accommodate the new National League member. They, they would join the Montreal Expos in that 69 expansion. The Expos, of course, now the Washington Nationals of the National League East. And they're not to be confused with Charter American League member, the Washington Nationals, who started as the Washington Senators, were the Nationals for 50 years, and then the Senators again, and then moved to Minnesota to become the Twins after the 1960 season. I fucking hate you. <laughs> oh, get, get ready. Because the new Washington Senators begin playing in 1961, as part of the American League expansion, that also added the uh, Los Angeles Angels, who are now the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. But uh, the the new Senators would recreate <laughs> new Senators would relocate to Arlington, Texas, in 1972 as the Rangers, a moniker that they would uh, one day have to defend by clarifying that despite sharing the name, they're not affiliated with the law enforcement agency, and that they stand for equality by quote condemning racism, bigotry, and discrimination in all forms. That's <laughs> That's what you want to have to do with uh with your team name that you come up with there. Fucking <laughs> uh, we're, we're not even done yet because this isn't only a baseball thing, right? The, the Chicago Cardinals, the uh, the original NFL team to play in Soldier Field, of course, the Bears, who had moved from downstate Decatur, Illinois, in nineteen twenty one, shared Wrigley Field with the Cubs until nineteen seventy. But the uh, the the Cardinals scooted down the brand new I fifty five after the nineteen fifty nine season for St Louis. And they'd stay there until 1987, where, uh, well, like so many people from the Midwest, they would eventually retire to Arizona. The Los Angeles Chargers moved to San Diego after one season in 1960, but that move wasn't permanent. The Dallas Texans, not the 1952 Dallas Texans who lasted for one year in the NFL, the 1960 AFL Dallas Texans, left for Kansas City in 1963 to become the Chiefs, another name with issues, you know, that <laughs> would come back up years yeah. later. Uh, Minneapolis now having the Twins meant it didn't need the Lakers anymore. So they moved to Los Angeles and have ridiculously kept their name ever since. The Philadelphia Warriors got a new owner and departed for San Francisco in 1962. The Chicago Zephyrs moved to Baltimore to become the Baltimore Bullets in 1963, and that would last for a whole decade before they moved to Washington, D.C. The Syracuse NBA team went to Philly to be the Sixers, the Royals, and not those Royals. Left Cincinnati for Kansas City to become the Kings, which would last for three years before they moved to Sacramento. The Buffalo Braves became the San Diego Clippers. The New Orleans Jazz moved to Utah and have ridiculous. <laughs> they've kept That's this ridiculous name ever since. Yeah, because there's nothing jazzy about Utah. No, there's nothing black about Utah. <laughs> no. uh, oh yeah, and also the San Diego Clippers moved to Los Angeles. Um, and, and you know, I mean, for the hell of it, we even spread to the Canadian sport. The early days of the NHL saw three franchises relocate among a number that folded. Uh, and of course, this was mostly owing to the Great Depression. 
But uh, two clubs left Canada then for the U.S. and a trend that would resurface in the 1990s when the Nordiques and Winnipeg Jets flew south to mixed results. Uh, that followed a number of franchise shifts when the, uh, the NHL rapidly grew after its initial 1967 expansion, which uh, was followed by five franchise moves in a decade. Winnipeg, of course, got their team back with the Atlanta Thrashers left in 2011, but Quebec's still waiting for theirs. And then, of course, there's there's been this whole series of high-profile modern-era NFL moves. The Oakland Raiders, of course, went to Los Angeles in 1982. The Baltimore Colts, Art Modell, moved in the middle of the night to Indianapolis in 1984. The Cardinals, leaving for Phoenix, eventually saw the Los Angeles Rams, via Cleveland originally, move to uh, St. Louis. The Los Angeles Raiders moved to Oakland. The Houston Oilers moved to Memphis for a year before settling in Nashville as the Tennessee Titans. The Cleveland Browns left for Baltimore in a move reminiscent of the Colts, Art Modell, yet again. The NFL, feeling like they hadn't quite stuck it to Cleveland enough, made a new Cleveland Browns that joined the Houston Texans, not the Dallas Texans, in the 2002 expansion. The St. Louis Rams moved to Los Angeles to join the Chargers in Inglewood at the Stan Kroenke. We built this with Walmart money ground. And the Oakland Raiders moved to Las Vegas. And, of course, Colin, the, the underlying theme in all this is money, the promise of new stadiums or economic windfall for ownership groups who, I mean, definitely in modern times only see their investments improve year after year. And, and this is all created by a situation that uh, baseball wrought on American sport, the evolution of the franchise system, which uh, ingrained the single entity framework for our sports leagues that would lead to the inevitable outcome of Major League Soccer, which is little more than a giant tax avoidance scheme for the owners of teams and the other big four sports leagues. That's most of it. And I know I still miss some folks. And like I said, I wrote that off my head this morning after I went down the street to grab a cup of coffee from the gas station. <laughs> you know, the scene and it's always uh, sunny um, where Charlie's like explaining in front of the giant board. <laughs> In my head, that's what you were doing there. <laughs> I mean, it's it's wild that it just happened, like you know, because it's all for money. But um, a really good friend of mine is a big charge, or no, was a big Chargers fan. Yeah, giant like monster of a man, huge. Um, came up from San Diego, has Chargers on his knuckles. Nice. And we were talking about it. Uh, that was actually why it kind of came in my head. Um, we're talking about, and he was like, I was like, why, what the fuck happened, why? And he, I was like, and do you still support him? He was like, no, fuck them. Yeah. Fuck them, and fuck, I can't remember the owner. Oh, that's, that's um, a, um, shit, I forget, it's not, not, Cronky's the Rams, it's um, some other fucker. <laughs> but like, he was explaining, he was like, the whole thing, he was like, the whole reason they moved is because he wanted a new stadium, Yep. and San Diego wouldn't pay for it, and like, they put it on a ballot, and still like, he was like, you know, and it's a bit, the charges were a big thing for us. They were still like, no, we're not paying more taxes to you. Fuck you. And he was like, well, I'm going then. Yeah. Like, but but I, just, I can't, I think from the Scottish perspective, I can't imagine, you know, like, it's not like I can't imagine, like, you know, anything, any of the SPL, uh, like, doing it really. But, you know, like, can you imagine, like, Hamilton? Like, all right, we're um, we're not Hamilton academical anymore. We're Nairn academical. It, it just, like, why do people still support these teams? <laughs> I, you know, it's it's one of these things that makes it easier for me to kind of, you know, p- people 
fuck, even now, after however long I've been doing this and however long I've been on the forums and everything else, I, you know, I, I did that show with Andy and Rob on Heart and Hand last week where, you know, why do you support Rangers? I mean, one, it's a family thing, but two, I mean, gr- growing up in American sports culture, it's easy because you never know when your team could leave. I mean, the, Mar- the Mariners were going to move to Tampa or the White Sox were going to move to Tampa and then the Mariners maybe to Chicago in the early 90s. Uh, until they finally got a stadium deal done for for Safeco now T-Mobile Park. Actually, it's it's kind of funny. Chicago is the only uh, pre-expansion era Major League Baseball team with like its two original franchises. Everyone else is you know because like New York got the Mets in 1962. Um, uh, well, obviously, Baltimore lost the Yankees and gained the Orioles. You know the Orioles in the 50s. Philadelphia. Never got an American League club back. They just have the Phillies now. So, but Chicago is the only one from the pre-expansion era, from that pre-first shift era, that uh, still has its two original teams. I, I mean, it just—I I suppose I think I'm looking at it from a different perspective. Like, I'm looking at perspective of like my club will never leave. That you know, something catastrophic has to happen for that. Whereas from an American perspective, it's like this team might only be here for ten years. Yeah, Hope or three, stays. or one. <laughs> I, I, that, well, that that's the whole reason. I mean, the Mariners came into being um, because the Pilots uh, were um, well. It was it was the Pilots in Kansas City that came in that said the Royals again because the Athletics had moved to Oakland <laughs> and left Kansas City. But the Pilots came in and uh, they, they couldn't get a stadium deal done, and that was when Bud Selig, who would become Commissioner of Major League Baseball, uh, he moved them to Milwaukee after again one, one season in six field. And then uh, Seattle got together and built the Kingdom for the 1977 season, which also saw the uh, Seattle Seahawks play there. Uh, and of course, well, Seattle not done with with franchises. You know, the the SuperSonics famously left for uh, Oklahoma City and are now likely coming back as the SuperSonics. You know, I mean, you got you got to look at the number of these teams too. They're either immediately replaced in their markets. Or, however, I mean, like, look at the two NFL teams I talked about there. The, the last expansion in the NFL, the Browns replaced the Browns, and the Houston Texans replaced the Oilers, who had just left five years prior. Yeah. I mean, that does make sense that way. Like, how does – this is probably a very simple question, but, like, I'm, a, I'm an owner. Uh-huh. Like, and I'm like, how, how do I decide that, like, I'm taking a team to Houston? Like how does that work? Well, you know what that that, that kind of brings us to the, to the last point in this, and let, let's grab one more break. I'm going to come back. I'm going to try to explain why that happens in the first place, and then yeah, how those decisions are made. So right back after this. Yes, we're moving on All right, back in for the last part of Crowpot Explains America here. And uh, again, of course, scroll down, hit the Buy Me Coffee link in the show notes. You can win some stuff from the famous. Colin, you, you wanted to know, well, how owners go about making these choices. But, but yeah. uh, I mean, the, 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 first, the first part is the why. 
And I mentioned it there at the end. It's it's this thing that got ingrained in American sports by Major League Baseball. And, and this all stems from, well, you know, the National League came first, right? And the American League uh, was formed in 1901, challenged the supremacy of the National League, brought players over with, you know, better contracts, more money. And in uh, 1903, effectively, they came to an agreement to form what we now know as Major League Baseball, right? The National League and American League. Uh, but in the teens, there was the Federal League, which kind of did the same thing. And again, started up in these cities that, that Wrigley Field was not built for the Cubs. It was built for the Chicago Whales of the, of the Federal League. <laughs> How many Whales uh, are in Chicago? Yeah, I know. It's, it's a great, I'll tell you what, though, it is a fucking cracking hat. Like, if you guys want a good ball cap, there's a, I forget the name of the company. There's one out there that does like old school ball caps. It's 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 a C with a little whale. I mean, it's it's pretty good. But the the the, the Federal League had challenged the supremacy of Major League Baseball, and Major League Baseball, you know, squashed it. It only lasted two seasons because the owners were obviously fighting uphill. And if you're just throwing money at players without generating revenue, it goes away pretty quick. So the Federal League folded back in, and a lot of players got blackballed you know, or blacklisted from major league baseball as a result, the good ones came back. The really good ones came back, but uh, some, some never played organized baseball in America. Again, they'd have to go down to Mexico to play. Um, but following that, there, there, there was a, a lawsuit brought uh, that, well, it, 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 people talk about baseball's antitrust exemption all the time. I'm sure you've heard this come up in news. Uh, it came up around, you know, steroid investigations that, the, the, the Congress was going to look at stripping Major League Baseball's antitrust exemption. But it effectively created, again, the single entity model because franchises, well, I mean, they, they are. That's what they are. They're not clubs. You know, they, they get the San Diego Padres baseball club or whatever. And, and obviously we refer to them as clubs, you know, in just a common sense. But they're all franchises of a single entity. The league owns all of them effectively, right? I, they all have their own owners that own the stadiums and own the the trademarks and broadcast rights and all that kind of shit. But it's all in all four of the big leagues and MLS. It's all pooled together under one umbrella. MLS is like the, the worst example uh, of how this system works in that it took all of these horrible functioning ideas of how American sport does and just pooled it into one thing. Like players don't have contracts with, with their, with their clubs in MLS. They have contracts with MLS. You know, I mean, it, it runs everything. And the, the, the way that, you know, money's dispersed, like say Philadelphia union sell a player to the Atletico, right? Philadelphia union get a percentage of that transfer fee. The rest goes into like a central pool for the whole league. Um, which again is how, well, you know, we, we have like Neil Doncaster in the SPFL, but he's a CEO, right? We have commissioners in these, in these leagues that work for the owners, which is why you have labor strife, um, you know, lockouts or strikes or whatever the hell they are, because you have a central central head that again works at behest of the owners, not for the game. And uh, so, I mean, the, that's that's the that's the why. The how, I mean, uh, effectively anymore, it's what town is going to give you the most money to build a shiny new stadium. Uh, a very very few teams have spent their own money in the past you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 fucking years to build their own stadiums. Uh, of course, the Braves got the Olympic Stadium 
off the back of the 96 Olympics, converted that into baseball. And then when that wasn't good enough, moved to, again, a town that they basically created outside of Atlanta for the purpose of building a new ballpark. Um, the, yes. the Bears right now are looking to move to Arlington Heights outside of the city because Soldier Field is not – I mean, so Soldier Field is a perfectly wonderful stadium. And, again, in a world like throughout – well, the football, throughout the rest of the world, clubs either learn how to use their stadiums because they own them or if you're rich enough like Madrid or, what you know, you, you do whatever the hell you want. Uh, the bear solution is to move to a 326 acre parcel of land outside of the city because they're going to be able to get a shit ton of money from Arlington Heights or other tax breaks and whatever else to build their new ground. Honestly, the, the only one of real recent memory uh, or, the, or the most prominent one, at least of recent memory who built their, I mean, obviously the Yankees built their new Yankee stadium because the Yankees just print money. Well, yes. Again, Real Madrid. Yeah, I mean, no, it's it's ridiculous. They, they, there's nothing that they can do to not be more valuable after you know the year after next. But the, the San Francisco Giants uh, did build their own stadium, which which kind of fucked it for a lot of the other owners because that, then cities and towns and states went, "Well, wait a second, those, those rich fuckers did it. Why can't you?" <laughs> I mean, like I, from a capitalist point of view, I totally understand it. But like, from a locality. Like you know, you look at the Bears. Um, like how much how much more revenue is going to be brought to that town? Like by the Bears, is that ever going to outweigh how much money is going to be spent on building this the millionaires? No, I mean it, it never it never works for the cities. It never does, and yet you know over and over again. They, they continue, oh, fuck. You know, like B- Buffalo and New York were fighting with the Bills over a billion dollars for a new stadium. It's like, again, these people are filthy fucking rich. Stan Kroenke couldn't get what he wanted in St. Louis, so him and his wife, again, with Walmart money, bought a piece of ground in Inglewood that was condemned in an ex-racetrack, horse racetrack, and turned it into this NFL stadium, moved his team there, and got the Chargers to come along with it. And the thing, you know, you don't have to have that local ingrained flavor in these leagues because again, all the money flows into one central place and then is redispersed throughout everyone. So your buddy there that was a Chargers fan in San Diego, they don't give a fuck because the money all flows up to the NFL and then comes back out to all the franchises, right? Yes. They make their own money from parking. They make their own money off of, you know, their local broadcasting rights and stuff like that. But, but even like merchandising, I think it's eighty percent of the money goes up to a central pool and then comes back out. Yeah, so that's one of the like um, one of the things I always find quite cool. And I suppose that's why is that you can go to like nflstore.com dot com and it has yep. everything. And like you know, if you're like, oh, that's a really cool hoodie that you know, like my buddy's a Steelers fan, so that's a really cool hoodie you've got. I can then go, oh, I can go get in a Patriots version, and it's the exact same hoodie, but it's just a different team colors. Yep, I think that's really cool. Yeah. I mean, you know, by and large, it works great. I mean, you know, you, you get, I don't know. You know, the, the the problem is if you have a dud year, you know, like like if we have two and a half years of Castor, right, that haven't been great, you can have an entire league tied down for, you know, five years on, on a uniform contract that doesn't work. And then, of course, you get the problem where, I mean, anymore, there's only two or three companies in the world that can service this kind of stuff. This is why. Of course, you know, Major League Baseball uniforms for years were made by, uh, well, Russell and then Majestic. Um, not Now it's Nike, you know, because yeah. Nike is Nike. I mean, uh, so, yeah, you, you know, it, it, it works. 
it can work to the detriment of fans, but overall, I mean, just, just look at the popularity of American sport, right? Uh, you know, the NFL travels overseas. Major League Baseball is going to go play in London. Right? My first <laughs> NFL game, in fact, my only NFL game to date uh, was in London. Yeah. Uh, I saw the Lions get absolutely roasted by the Chiefs. Yeah. Well, well, I mean, the Jacksonville Jaguars will certainly end up relocating to London at some point. But whenever it can be done, it will be done. Yeah, yeah I mean, they're already playing fucking half their games there anyway, so it doesn't matter. Um, yeah, it just it makes me feel less. Like, I, I know that Scott likes football, is our football, Scottish football, is, is still is, is more commercialized than it ever has been, but it still doesn't feel like it's... It still feels like there's a bit of a sporting soul in these clubs. Right. Whereas, like, I'm from Edinburgh and I'm a Patriots fan and I live in the West Coast of America. That doesn't make sense, really. Yeah. But it doesn't really matter here. No. Well, and that's, you know, like, I mean, I'm a Mariners fan because I went to a Mariners game at Comiskey Park when I was a kid. My brothers were Cubs fans and I didn't want to be a Cubs fan, (laughs) you know. Yeah. Bad choice on my part, you know. This is why you don't let four year olds make decisions on on important important life choices like what sports teams love. But um, here I am, uh, still twenty one years out from watching the Mariners play a playoff game, so that's uh, hasn't worked out. No, but I mean that's it's part of the you know for years you had Cubs fans all over the West, you know the 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 mountain states and all the way out to California because you had WGN radio, and at night. Well, or well, not night because the Cubs didn't play at night for home games, but certainly away games. You could you could pick up the broadcast out there. The Cardinals were the same way. It was that KMOX? I think out of St. Louis broadcast all the way out there. So that's why, if, you know, in the Arizona, there's more Cubs and Cardinals fans in Arizona than there will ever be Arizona Diamondbacks fans, and there's more Yankees fans almost anywhere than there'll be anything else because they are, you know, as you said, they're, they're fucking Real Madrid, right? They're they're, they're United and Liverpool rolled in the fucking one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. I don't know. I um, I've learned a lot today. <laughs> I don't oh, feel like. I mean, there was a large portion where I felt my head was going to explode. The baseball stuff kind of does make more sense to me. Yeah, I, I mean, to an extent, like I said, you know, once you understand how our sports leagues came about and the the model, because I mean, baseball was first, and everything's modeled on it, and. You know, it's it's no coincidence that the NFL started uh, right after the the Major League Baseball court case there, right around the, the, the end of World War One. You know, the NHL started right after that. The NBA took a few more years, but they're all modeled on the same the same principle. Again, it's, it, the league the league runs everything, and the franchises are you know it's it's they're they're fucking McDonald's. You know, and, yeah. and like I said, the MLS is the worst case of it. I mean, MLS they every MLS team feels like Again, walking into a McDonald's. They're all the exact I've same. Tried. So like, Timbers are our local team. Which, as look, if you go back again, scroll down here, because we, we did a show on that, the, the Rangers going to Portland Timbers in 1976. They're one of the few teams that's held on to some kind of local identity. Now, you're you're seeing the issues, again, with the central ownership thing now that they have an owner who's a sex pest or tolerates sex pests. And yeah. you can't do anything about it, which is driving fans away at a rapid rate. But yeah, Port- Portland is an example, an outlier, I think. Um, but one of the sort of things we actually we've been to more Thorns games, which is the women's team. Yeah, because that does just feel a little bit more community focused. It's more organic, I think. Yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, and also, like they don't play in green. 
<laughs> yes, yeah, there, there there is that problem with the Timbers. But, well, I mean, fuck, take the fire, for example, right? I mean, these moves don't have to happen moving from cities or moving across the country or anything like that. The Chicago Fire started playing at Soldier Field, uh, won MLS in their first season, won three U.S. Open Cups very early on. Uh, and then while Soldier Field was being renovated, moved to <laughs> North Central College in Naperville, which is where I saw Carlos Bocanegra play for the first time. Uh, then moved to uh, Bridgeview, which is outside. Of the, it is 70 blocks south and 70 blocks west of the loop. It has no public transport access, nothing like that. Which, uh, you know, I mean, th- this all kind of comes back to something that we've been talking about in Scottish football over the past week with the television contract is, is the lack of care for the fans. Because, again, mm-hmm. the, the way American sports are structured, the individual fan doesn't matter. Right. If you lose one in Chicago, it doesn't matter because all the money comes in centrally. And 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 there was um there was the the, the chief, I think, of uh of um or no, it was the guy the guy was talking about the Wrexham deal that uh, me and Peter were discussing on the show earlier this week. He's a, the, the biggest challenge to uh pro sports is is not, you know, anything with television deals or is as far as getting people into the ground, you know, because of course Dave Cormack was saying that the Aberdeen chairman was saying Look, if we broadcast these games, people don't show up, which is bullshit. The biggest challenge to getting people in seats is not whether the games are on TV. It's public transport. And obviously in America, that's not something that we do well at all. And the fire were a perfect example of that. When they built the stadium in Bridgeview, there was no public transit. There's no there's no train line. You would take the train to Midway Airport and then a bus down Harlem Avenue to go to, to Bridgeview. And so after however many years that they were there, again, they packed up and moved back to Soldier Field, which has been a train wreck because Soldier Field has the worst pitch in American sports by far. And now they've been forced into playing games back in Bridgeview again this season, a city that they left on its ass and and so far underwater on that stadium that it effectively bankrupted the village. Yeah, I think if you want the public transport thing, you really had to have. Because I, you know, I grew up uh, just outside Edinburgh, lived in Edinburgh. And I would get, you know, for a old firm game, you know, I'd be up, I'd get bus down to the train station, train station through to Glasgow, then I'd get the subway <clears throat> to the stadium. Whereas if I was in America, I'd be like, well, I guess I'm driving then. Yeah. And paying thirty bucks for parking. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, it's, it's part of the part of the decision making process that we have out here. You know, Rockford. There is no, uh, hopefully we're eventually getting a train line back to Chicago here fairly soon, but even that's going to be relatively expensive. And, you know, once we get in there, we're going to have to change off of the, what are effectively Amtrak lines on the, the, the local, you know, uh, Chicago, Chicago CTA lines. But me and my buddy, Brad, who I go to ball games with, you know, all throughout the year, the, the choice is always, do we drive into Wrigley or Comiskey, which we did both this year. Or do we go to Milwaukee, which is in another state, but since we're going to have to drive anyway, it's easier to get in and out of Miller Park and get up there, which we also did this year. I mean, we, we hit all three at least once this season. So I, it's, yeah, because of the lack of public transport, it's it's brutal. You know, it, it, with few exceptions, obviously the Yankees being where they are in the Bronx, I mean, they built the new stadium right, right across the street effectively from the old one. So obviously all the extant, public transport lines that service yeah. Yankee stadium were there, but you know, like, like Atlanta, again, they, they took, 
you know, the, the ball club, it all, since it moved to Atlanta, the, the original uh, Atlanta stadium was just south of downtown. The uh, Olympic stadium was built adjacent to that. In fact, the, the parking lot for the Olympic stadium, which again, this is something that happens often in American sports. The parking lot in the, the uh, Olympic stadium was the footprint of the old, the old stadium, <laughs> the new Comiskey park here in Chicago. The parking lot is the old Comiskey park. Um, I saw a time-lapse video of that this week, just coincidentally. Yeah. And it was like, you know, like every six months as the stadium, one stadium grew yep. and then the other one disappeared. Yeah. Well, fuck, I mean, <clears throat> Cincinnati, when they built their new stadiums for the Browns and the Reds, it was actually part of, uh, was it like right center field <laughs> that, you know, the, the Riverfront Stadium was still there as they're trying to finish and build the, the new or le- left center field it was left center field. It was right field lines up with the Ohio river, but left center field where, where the old stadium was still, you know, was still there. And, and it was part of effectively the, the wall, the exterior wall of, of the new ballpark. So again, I, I, and I mean, that's part of the thing too, you, you know, the, the insistence, look, Fenway park and Wrigley field are so revered because there aren't any of those. We don't keep stadiums here. They're disposable. Yeah, I've been to Fenway, and Fenway is horribly uncomfortable. Horribly uncomfortable. It's an awful stadium, but I understand it. Like, I do, I do get it. If that was like, you imagine taking Ibrox away. Yeah. Well, well, and that's, I mean, Wrigley Field was fucking terrible. I, I couldn't say, Wrigley Field was a piss-reeking fucking hellhole for years until the Ricks came in, or the, the, the Hicks, sorry, um, and... Uh, Spent a shit ton of money. Now, see, they, they went through They tried to get the C to spend on it, and the C kept saying no. And again, if, if you tell billionaires no, they'll just do it themselves. And that's that's what they did. But, you know, they, they've made Wrigley Field. I actually enjoy Wrigley Field again. It's it's strange after so many years of my life just absolutely dreading having to go in there to actually be like, man, th- this is kind of nice now. I'm enjoying oh, myself. Yeah. Colin, that's... The franchise ships and everything else. Like I said, folks, there is a ton of reading on this. If you got questions, you hit me up. This show, too, is not only going out on the Crowpod Network, but it's going to be going out on Heart and Hand. So if that's where you're listening to this on Sunday, if you like this kind of stuff, we do more of these shows all the time. You just got to get them off of the Crowpod. And all you got to do is type in Crowpod wherever you get your podcasts and add it, and you get more stuff like this all the time. You don't just get me and David and Todd bitching about being middle-aged men you get uh, stuff like this or me and peter you were talking about the television deal or whatever the hell else goes out there so uh, again like i said if you, if you did like this just look for the crow pod wherever you get your podcasts and you get more stuff like this all the time so colin ho- hopefully you understand a little bit more about america after after these 45 minutes that we've spent here as as i always saying uh, my understanding and infuriation i don't even think that's a word uh, at this country uh, has expanded again. Yeah, they, they, they kind of grow level with each other, don't they? I think yeah. it's, it's it's the laugher curve of America. I think. <laughs> <laughs> All right, buddy. All right, Colin. Of course, you can find him on Twitter. Don't talk, Kyle. Uh, if you want to find him, you can scroll down in the in the show notes here. Yeah, I've always got him tagged there. So, Colin, thank you, buddy. Pleasure as always, my friends. Absolutely. And we'll be back with another episode here in a couple weeks. More Crowpot Explains America. We'll talk to you soon. Some people call me the space cowboy.